I want to ask you a couple questions this morning. First one is, are you a Christian? I read an article recently about a person who said they had grown up in a fundamentalist environment, and I'm sure they would say, yes, I'm a Christian. But they say, I no longer go to church. I'm no longer part of that. It was a fundamentalist Christian, uh, the way they were raised. And what they would equate being a Christian as is, is, is religion, following a religion. So the question is, are you, are you a Christian? And, and, and the second question is, are you a mature Christian? Are you a mature Christian? You say, well, I'm not where I should be. <laughs> I could do better. And, and, and there's, a few, there's a few ways that we kind of generally measure maturity. The first one is we say, well, I, I've been a Christian a long time. It's kind of like age osmosis. I've been a Christian for five years, therefore I must be five years mature as a Christian, right? Or um, I've been a Christian for 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years, so therefore I must really, really be mature. Uh, I remember taking my boys with my wife. We'd go to the doctor and they would, uh, they would measure the length and they would weigh the baby and they would say he's... In, and I would say he because I have no girls, so it's easy to do that. Uh, he is in the, the 75th percentile. And you go, good, good. Can he get to 90? You know, I'm, can he be a basket? You know, uh, so, but you're waiting for that child as they grow. And some of you have these in your house. You have that post or you have that door frame where you lean them against and you see the, the lines as they continually go up. Because what are you doing? You're measuring physical growth. And spiritual growth, we tend to say, well, I've been a Christian for a long time, therefore I must be mature. Age osmosis. Or some people say, no, I, I know so much about the Bible. I've studied it for years. I am a Bible scholar. I know the names and I can pronounce them correctly, by the way. And I know all the Bible stories and I know a lot of theology. So therefore I know the Bible, therefore I must be mature. And I've met some really knowledgeable people who know the Bible who are just jerks and aren't very nice and don't show the fruit of the Spirit. So, you know, now, can being a Christian a long time aid in spiritual maturity? Absolutely. Can knowledge of the Bible under, help in spiritual maturity? Absolutely. But that's not what makes you mature. Paul has the answer. So 1 Corinthians, we're moving through the book of 1 Corinthians where Paul's talking to a church, his faith community, but who, has, who have big problems. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, page 871 in your chair Bible, I want to start reading verse 1 of chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had, to, I had to talk as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Now, it's interesting to me that many people go to this passage and say, I, I need to stop having the milk. I need the meat of the word. And Paul's basically in the meat of the word essentially is this. That what was the problem they had? The problem they had was they had jealousy and strife. They were quarreling. Right? 
Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you, just, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who gave it growth. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both are rewarded for their hard work, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. So I want to give you three signs, and I could give you a list of things, but let's just keep it to three. Three signs of what a mature Christian looks like. Mature Christians continually allow the Holy Spirit to direct them. That's number one. Paul says you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're infants in the Christian life. Now, Paul is, is saying to the church, he's not saying they weren't Christians. He was saying you're not acting like it. You're not showing signs that you belong to Jesus Christ. You're not acting like it. You see, our behavior demonstrates our level of spiritual maturity. As we allow God's Word and His Holy Spirit to guide us, we will grow up into spiritual maturity. If you read the book of James, essentially James is saying, your behavior has to match your words. If you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have faith, then you should have actions that match that. If you don't have your actions to match that, we've got to question your words. That's why he says, show me your faith by your words, and I'll show you my faith by my actions. Now, we can regress into the old way of life. I think it was Chuck Swindoll who wrote a book, uh, and it was called Three Steps Forward and Two Steps Back. And his point in the book was that the Christian life isn't this, this straight uphill graph. It's more of this. It's three steps forward and two steps back. And some of you, you know, we all know what it's like. That where we make progress and then sometimes we do things and we go, how in the world could I go? I I thought I was done with that. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5. If you go to page uh, 893. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. By the way, let me just say this. One of the wonderful things about the Christian life is, not only does God give us the ability to do what we should, but He gives us the desire to do. Because we have to have both. To have the ability to do it is one thing, but you have to have the desire, and the Spirit of God will give you the desire to do it. You wake up one day and you say, I don't feel like loving anyone. Well, the Holy Spirit can give you the desire to do that, right? So how do you know at any moment that you're being guided by the Holy Spirit? How do you know? Well, Paul tells us, jump down to verse 19 of Galatians 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. In other words, Paul's saying, if you want to know when you're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit, here's the signs. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Remember, that's the problem at the church Corinth. 
outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Essentially, what he's saying is if that's what is characterizing your life on a day-to-day, week-by-week, year-by-year basis, you have to question whether you even know Jesus. He's saying that these things may pop up in your life, as they did in the church of Corinth, But that just shows you at that moment that you're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You're under the influence of the old way of life. Now, how do I know if I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, he goes on to tell you. And this is the verse. These are the verses that if you want to memorize verses between now and the end of the year, and you have never memorized this verse, do it. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. If you want to know if you are a spiritually mature Christian and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, you will see this fruit in your life. You will see patience where you normally used to never have patience. You will see joy. You will see self-control. You will see kindness and peace, those will be part of your life. Now, you can, when you sin, you can you could show the fruit of the flesh. But then you can call, ask God to forgive you and, and allow His Spirit to control you and guide you. And as you do that, you can walk and keep in step with the Spirit. So at any moment, you can know whether you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you or not. You can know that. So, a mature Christian is somebody who is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide them and direct their lives. And at any moment, when you're angry or you're jealous or you're striving, you'll know at that moment, this is not the Holy Spirit. Now, the the cool thing is, when you're in the middle of a, a, a difficult time or frustrating situation, and you show the fruit of the Spirit, you go, wow, that was cool. (laughs) <laughs> I would have never believed that I could do that. And how cool is that? And, and what's happening there is the Holy Spirit is directing and guiding you, and it's a new thing. So that's the first one. Secondly, mature Christians willingly follow God's leader. Notice Paul says this, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of, of Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. You see, the people of Corinth loved They had a popularity contest going on, and they were enamored with personalities, and the same is true today. We are people followers, and we like following people, and we like following personalities. We we like to be on the right side. Some of you, and I know there's Iowa State, Iowa fans here. I get all of that. But here, let's not get into it, all right? Some of you, though, are kind of like your mirror. You just kind of aren't really not, you're just not on the bandwagon. But then all of a sudden, Iowa goes 11 and 0, and you go, I've always been an Iowa fan. And your wife or your, your friends look at you and go, what are you talking about? Bandwagon, right? 
And, and that's the way we are. We jump on bandwagons and, and we follow personalities. And I just want to say that a Christian is first and foremost a Christ follower. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Now, I'm going to say a few things that sound contrary to what Paul's saying because they were, they were not really following these leaders. They just followed them because it gave them good vibes. Right? It made them look good. They, they wanted to follow the winner, right? And basically, Paul was not the winner, right? Uh, everybody was better than Paul. But God has set up leadership for his local church. Paul himself was a leader and planted many of these churches. He helped to plant the church at Corinth and spent years there. In fact, Paul gave directions for the leadership offices of the local church. You can read about that in 1 Timothy and Titus. He says this is what leaders should live up to. These are the standards and these are the offices of leaders within the local church. And so leaders are called to lead. God has called leaders to lead. And we have leaders here at Hope Church. We call them elders. We have staff, but uh, we have a congregational form of government. But God has ordained leadership for His church and he calls his people that's you folks to follow the leadership here and you say well i'm not a member you're not and you know but here's the thing there's no such thing as membership in the bible the point is that you as a christian and here's the problem we run into the problem we run into is americans pride themselves in their independence we are not always good followers But God has called us into a faith community and He's he's set up leadership and He says, wherever you worship, wherever you call your home church, whatever is the local assembly that you're part of, you need to submit to the leadership of that community. You're supposed to follow the leadership. Now, it says in Scriptures... The, in the scripture that we are you're to follow as we are good examples. Notice uh, Paul says in First Corinthians 11, um, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul was not he didn't shriek away from saying, follow me. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, you might be thinking, well, what if the church has a knucklehead as a pastor? Or a chuckleheads as elders. What do, what do we do then? What do we do if we have uh, people who are incompetent and bad leaders? And more than that, what if they're corrupt? Well, jump down to verse um, 10 of chapter 3 of Corinthians. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid a foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building this fo- on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any other foundation other than the one that we, have already, that we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on judgment day, on the judgment day, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if the person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. 
Paul is essentially saying here. We usually take this as an individual verse about how we're to build in our own Christian lives. But I believe in the context what Paul is saying is that pastors, leaders of the local church, are going to be held accountable for the work they do here. There's a few things that keep me awake at night. One is, where are my boys and are they making good choices? Probably you're on the same page with me if you have teenagers, and I can't even, I only have one teenager left. The other thing that keeps me awake at night is one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account for 17 years of ministry here in Hope Church. I'm going to be held accountable. And that is, a, is an important weight on any pastor who leads a church, that one day he will stand before God. Men, I'll just lay it on you. If you are married and you have children, God will hold you before God as to what happened within your family. But for this church, God will hold me responsible. He will hold the elders responsible. He will hold me responsible. I'm only responsible for myself. I'm going to stand before God as to how we built here. Paul's saying mature Christians, though, willingly submit to God's leadership within the church. Now, there may be times when the leadership is directly violating the teachings of Scripture, and they, that, that may be so. And at those times you may, be, you may need to speak up and you may even need to leave. Because he says there's only one foundation, it's on Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes... With our American freedom and our American individualism, we say, well, I'm not going to follow anyone. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you can do that, but that's not taught in the Scripture. The Scripture says that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ has called these local assemblies and given them leadership, that you are to connect to an assembly, and you are to support that assembly, and you are to use your gifts within that assembly, because we are a body and we need all the parts. That you don't have the option to be this independent Christian out there who's not connected and not contributing and not using your gifts and not submitting to leadership. You just don't have that option. Now, you can go through the New Testament and read it, but you will find that what I'm saying to you is true. I have a responsibility to God today to lead, but this is the responsibility that you have to submit to that leadership. Now, when, that, when the wheels come off on that leadership, you may need to speak up. You may need to possibly leave. But if the leadership of the local church is genuinely seeking to obediently follow God's word and God's will, then you show spiritual maturity by following, by contributing, by praying, by submitting to that leadership. The writer of Hebrews wrote it this way. Obey your spiritual leaders. And do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. I'll take care of them. That's what he's saying. And then I love this last part. Give them a reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. <laughs> That's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Give them a reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. <laughs> Anyway, so that may sound like an odd one, and this is kind of going countercultural, right? And what I'm saying here is this. Mature Christians are those who are directed by the Holy Spirit and those who submit to God's leadership. Number three, mature Christians are those who have turned their backs 
on their former way of life. First Corinthians, jump uh, oh, a few chapters over to First uh, Corinthians six, verse nine, page eight seventy three. So Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, "You used to be this, but you aren't anymore. You used to live this way, but now you don't." First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or are greedy people or are drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So he's, he's just not making a statement of this is worse than this is worse. He's just saying, if this is your lifestyle, there's a problem. There's a problem. But then he says this, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul is saying this used to describe your lifestyle, but that's not your lifestyle anymore because God came into your life and your lifestyle is changing. It's changing. You're not who you used to be. You know, some of you know that your life has fundamentally changed that you have this B.C. life, this before Christ life, and, and how you live before Christ, and then you have this A.D. life. After you came to Christ, you have this A.D. life, and it's a different way of life. And you could say, you could stand up and you could say, this was my life before Christ, this is my life now. And somebody who only knows this part of your life would go, I can't believe that you were ever like this. What happened? The answer is Christ came into my life and He changed me and He's changing me. And I'm not who I used to be. Now, do I sometimes dip my foot back into that? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not my life. I don't see that as, as, as a viable way to live anymore. I, I have a new way of life. I'm a new creature created in Christ Jesus so the question is, have you crossed that line of faith? Have you, have you called on the name of the Lord? Are you seeing God transform you through His Word and Spirit? See, spiritual maturity is not just gaining knowledge about the Bible. It doesn't come to us just because we've been Christians for a number of years. We demonstrate spiritual maturity when we allow the Holy Spirit to direct us, as we allow God's leadership to guide us, and as we turn our back on the way, a former way of life. That's, that's, what, Christian, that's what Christian maturity is. That's what spiritual maturity is. Some of you have heard of John Newton. He started his career as a young man on a slave ship and became actually, over the years, became the captain of a slave ship. He finally became a captain. And after his Christian conversion, he became a Christian. Newton renounced his part in slave trade business and became the prominent supporter of the abolitionist movement. He lived to see Britain's abolition of the African slave trade in 1807. He became ordained and for many years served as an evangelical Anglican cleric. He wrote a number of hymns. Probably the one you're most familiar with is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a 
wretch like me. I once was lost, B.C., but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. What he was saying was, this is who I used to be. Slave trader. Not a very good person. That's who I used to be, but now I'm in Christ. Now I, I follow Christ. And the, the, I want to leave you with this last quote by, by uh, John Newton. He wrote this. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not what I hope to be. Yet I can truly say I'm not what I once was. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Newton is basically saying, God has changed me and is changing me and will change me. Spiritual maturity is growth. Growth comes as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, as we submit to His local church leadership, and as we turn our back on our former way of life. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. So, Father, what a work You have begun in our hearts. And what a work You continue to do. May we allow You to work in us. May we submit to Your Holy Spirit. May we submit to Your leadership in Your church. May we walk away from that former way of life. Thank You for bringing us out of that changing our hearts, giving us life. Thank You for the work that You're doing in our hearts day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Help us to grow to be the workmanship, the masterpiece that You created us to be. Sometimes we'll slip. Sometimes we'll fall. But may we get back up brush ourselves off, ask for forgiveness, and get back on track with You. For we are on a journey with Jesus, and that journey doesn't end till heaven. And then it just takes on a whole new meaning. So, Father, thank You for bringing us into Your family. Thank You for saving us. Thank You for the new path that we're on. Help us to walk with You as you guide us and direct us. May we be sensitive to your spirit and to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.